Hey guys, this is Fiorella Nira. Welcome to the Planner and Training Podcast. This episode is brought to you by PlannerandTraining.com, where you can find tools to grow your business right away. And now let's get on with the episode. Hi, Leah. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited about this topic. Um, me too. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's definitely one that wasn't in my radar. And then I talked to your PR person, Megan Ely. Shout out to Megan. Um, yes, and, big shout out to Megan. Yeah. And <laughs> she brought up this topic and I thought it was perfect. And I can't believe I haven't even thought about it. But we are basically going to be talking about how to take your business and your possibly your brand to the next level, right? Yep. And so before we do that, I think you're my first guest from New York City. Oh. And yeah, ooh, fancy. And so <laughs> I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself. And then I want you to tell me a little bit about your business. Sure. Um, so my original, my career before starting ColourPop events was I was a commercial real estate attorney, practiced, <laughs> yes, practiced for a couple of years in Atlanta before moving up to New York. And then um, about five years ago is when I started ColourPop. I um, had always wanted to own my own business anytime, wherever I was. It was just quickly evident to me that like I was meant to be my own boss and to do my own thing. and and strategize for myself. And it was always brainstorming different business ideas. You know, I thought about opening a doggy daycare, I almost went to pastry school at one point. But event planning was something that just kept popping up as a really great fit for me and my skills. And it was going to provide a creative outlet that I was just desperately needing while being a lawyer. And then in August of 2012, I got married. So I planned my own wedding. And that was kind of like, the catalyst for, okay, I want to give this a shot. I had been thinking about it before the wedding, but I enjoyed planning a wedding. I thought it was fun and pretty easy, which I know is not necessarily yeah. normal. Right. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a try and um, started the business while still working full time. Eventually found a part-time job with a law firm and then left that. So ColourPop has been around for a little over five years, and I've been officially full-time and law-free, as I like to call it, for, <laughs> it'll it'll be three years. Actually, yeah, today is like pretty much my three-year anniversary. So, um, yeah. Happy anniversary. Day. Thank you. It's a good, Isn't it's a fun one to celebrate. <laughs> how so many people are in the wedding industry that come from completely different fields? I know. It's crazy. Um, lots of, yeah, some people with legal backgrounds. I run into a lot of fashion people, which I find interesting. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So yeah. with ColourPop, and, um, what type of events do you plan and do? And I know you do weddings. Do you do anything else? I do mostly weddings. I do some corporate stuff, like I've done a book launch, some nonprofit fundraisers, um, alumni events for a local theater school, but but doing mostly weddings. The corporate stuff usually kind of just comes on referrals, but um, yeah, so weddings is my jam. That's awesome. And so we're going to be talking about leveling up. So tell me 
Um, did you find yourself needing to take that big step at the three-year mark with your business? Is that how you went full-time without getting into details? Or is, is that something that just happened recently? Um, it's been something that's kind of happened in pieces. I'm one of those people that's always like, what's next? What am I going to do? How am I going to grow? I'm never like comfortable just being not even just stagnant, but like once I kind of get something and get in the groove, I'm like, okay, what's next? What can I be doing that's more? So my brain is just always thinking about stuff. Um, I would say that like formally I took the first steps in leveling up probably just two years ago. Um, although quitting my law job is leveling up in life. So you could look yeah. at it like that also. Absolutely. So some of the topics that we're going to be talking about is, you know, there's so many planners right now that are thinking about speaking and becoming um, not teachers, but almost coaches and sharing mm -hmm. their knowledge with those who don't know. And is that something that you do? Are you a speaker? I am. Yeah. So that was kind of what I would say was my first step in, in leveling up in my business. And I started working with Megan. I started working with Megan a year ago, but before that, so 20, at the beginning of 2017, I decided I want to do speaking engagements. I really like teaching with pe teaching people, mentoring people. It's always something that I've just naturally kind of done even when I was a lawyer. And so in order to kind of position myself and my brand as more of an expert in the field of wedding planning and running a small business, I decided to start doing speaking engagements. So 2017, I did a handful of small things. I did some webinars with um, Two Bright Lights and The Knot. And then at the end of 2018, I started working with Megan at OFD Consulting to kind of pitch me for more speaking engagements. So last year, uh, the speaking engagements were bigger and better and, and more of them. And it's something that I'm continuing this year. So very excited about that. Good for you. So it was there a first step that you took to go from wedding planner to speaker? And Just uh, literally telling people that that's what I wanted to do. I kind of put the word out in the universe that I wanted to do some speaking engagements and opportunities popped up. Um, some opportunities, you know, I made happen myself, like figuring out who is in my network and who um, I could potentially work with to make some kind of speaking engagement happen. So I happened to be friends with Megan from Two Bright Lights and approached her about doing a webinar. So that was kind of how I got the first one there. And then that went well. So I've done another one with them. And yeah, it's keeping an eye like paying attention to where other people in my industry are like conferences that they're attending or that they're speaking at and like figuring out what the places are and just investigating those opportunities, either myself or with Megan. Good for you. That's <laughs> super exciting. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy for you. Tell me, okay. So when you're taking, so we're, we're very similar. My mind is always, I think this is my fourth business. No, one, two, three. my third business I've had. Um, <laughs> The first two, I just, they just didn't work for me. It, there wasn't mm -hmm. a thing. So I've been trying. I've known I wanted to own my business for, own a business for a while. Yeah. Um, and now that we're, it's like, you, you get it, right? Things are working. Yep. And I'm just the same way. Now I'm looking for the next thing and yep. always looking for what, what's next. 
And so I'm sure that you reach that part, that time in your business as well, because this is what we're talking about. But before you can essentially not step back, but add on to your plate Mm -hmm. from having the wedding planning business to being a speaker as well, how did you take that step? How, How did you decide? How did you prepare your business to level up I guess we're just gonna be yeah all night yeah you yeah (laughs) it's morning I can't believe I said all night but it's morning just kidding all day yeah um yeah it is um it's something that you have to have you have to have a solid foundation for your business in place to begin with and then you kind of have to get to a point in the business where everything is running smoothly so I was at a point where I'd gotten systems and processes down for wedding planning clients I had I was just in a really good groove with all of that and while you know maybe I I wasn't making as much money with the wedding planning clients as I had wanted to the business was still running and you know I needed to do mark continue with like new marketing efforts and stuff but I wasn't as focused on like working getting things running with the business so I was able to devote some other time to doing this and doing the speaking so you've really got to be at a point where like things are running pretty smoothly you shouldn't be at a point where things are you know chaotic or disorganized you know everything you've got to have a good handle on how everything is going before you add something else to your plate otherwise that's when things get a little bit tricky and you kind of get a little overwhelmed and burnt out if you aren't quite ready to take the step yet. Yeah. And do you have a team that would support you? I I don't. It is a one woman show over here. Um, Yeah. I have people that like, obviously I outsource some stuff. Like I have people that help me with blogging, um, SEO, obviously Megan helps pitch me for speaking engagements and stuff. Um, But yeah, the day to day and all the client interaction is just me. By the end of this year, one of my goals is to hopefully level up and be able to hire an employee. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, I've just I've had to figure out how to balance it all. So that's why it's kind of especially if you're doing this by yourself, you've got to make sure that like things are running pretty smoothly in order to be adding more stuff to your plate. Exactly. And how did you? So in order to do that, and I know we're going to be getting into buckets and priorities here. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you identify what you wanted to do to be able to add on to your plate? Yeah, I was looking at my business and where I want to take it and becoming positioning myself as an expert was something that was really important for me. And it also kind of just naturally goes along with my background because I was a lawyer for 10 years. You know, I have just a different perspective on things and, a, and different experiences. And um So that was so figuring out what do I need to do to become the expert and in just kind of talking, I think I was invited to like guest speak at a a class for wedding planners. And it was something that I really enjoyed and then interacting with the students afterwards and fielding questions from them about how how to get to where I am and to how to start a business. Just I really love that. And like I mentioned before, even when I was an attorney, like mentoring um, junior associates and stuff was just something that was natural to me and something that was really rewarding. And um, I love making those connections and relationships. So 
in order to become an expert, um, speaking, doing a lot of public speaking and speaking at conferences and being on podcasts and stuff like this is a great way to do that. So it honestly was just, I kind of decided like, that's what I want to do. And then took the steps to make it happen. Was there times that as you were putting yourself out there and telling people, Hey, I want to be a speaker. I want to, you know, coach. I want to teach everybody that, you know, cause we, I don't know. It's, I enjoy the same thing. It's it's like when I first started, there was no one willing to share their knowledge. Mm-hmm. So when you are when you are willing to share your knowledge, it's almost like you already know what to share because you know what you were missing. Right. So were there opportunities that came your way that you had to say no? Um, yeah, I mean, there's actually a great example is uh, a larger so last year I applied to speak at a larger conference that was happening this winter around this time. And, um, they turned down all of my initial ideas. And after the fact, I ended up booking a speaking gig at a photography workshop here in Brooklyn. And then I also found out, and this is my most exciting news ever. I was invited to speak at alt summit, which is happening in Palm Springs at the end of March. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so like I got this one decline and then pretty within a few weeks after that had booked two more speaking these two more like really big gigs. And so um at Megan's suggestion I actually contacted the event organizers for this conference that turned me down just to offer myself as a backup because she had done that and they actually ended up needing her and it was a great way to get her foot in the door at the conference. So I did that and then I ended up, they ended up having a cancellation and the organizer emailed me to, to speak and I had to turn them down because I was like, I'm speaking in November at this photography conference. I had to prepare a whole new presentation for that. I've got the March conference in Palm Springs, which is a humongous deal. So I'm planning to spend like two full months prepping for that. And I just had to be realistic about my limitations. And the topic that they had wanted me to come speak on would have required me to do a brand new presentation also. So I was just like, this was probably October-ish when this happened. And I just thought to myself that there's no way I can prepare three completely fresh presentations in a six-month period and actually like survive and and do all the other stuff that's going on. So yeah, I had to be like really realistic about what I had time to do and just felt like this wasn't the best fit. Um, Yeah. So you have to, you have to be smart about how to, what, what to turn down, when to turn things down, also how to turn them down in a polite way so that you're not closing the door on future opportunities. So how does one do that? How how do you know, how do you know when and how do you know how and what to say. Right. I um had this idea and I like can't remember if I heard somebody else talk about this or if it was something that I came up with, but um the biggest thing is prioritizing. And so the way that I prioritize is I call them buckets. So I have buckets for my business and those are the things that I focus on. And at the moment I have three buckets. So one is just my wedding planning business in general and continuing to like you know, get clients and support myself monetarily that way. My second bucket is the speaking engagements. And then my third bucket is I'm working on an ebook at the moment that will come out a little bit later this spring. But basically what I do is I use these buckets to help me determine when an opportunity comes along, do I take it or don't I take it? Um, 
And so it's kind of, you know, it just makes it, it makes it easy to prioritize, to visualize. So like, let's say I had a styled shoot opportunity come along. And so I take that and I'm like, is it going to help me book more wedding clients? And from historically speaking, the answer is no. I mean, I get great images and and get great vendor relationships out of it, but like it's not bringing any money in. Um, Is it related to speaking engagements? No, it's not. Is it going to move my book along? No, it's not. So it's kind of like a pretty easy no. And, um, you know, it's hard to say no. Our culture is not necessarily wired. Like that's not our default setting by any means. You just kind of, but, but having that confidence. So like, You've listed your priorities. They are super clear with these buckets and having the confidence to be able to say no is something that's really powerful and not only powerful, but it's going to save you from overcommitting, from doing things that your heart really isn't in. Um, And people should respect you if you respond back to an opportunity and obviously thank them for thinking of you for it, but just kind of explain that it's not, it doesn't really align with the things that you're focusing on at the moment. And you're trying to be more careful and conscious of your time. And people should understand that and hopefully strongly respect that. I'm curious what the first time that you started to say no, that you have anxiety. (laughs) Oh, of course. (laughs) Were you just like, wait, what did I just do? I know. Well, I mean, I turned down like I had a well, not this wasn't my first time saying no, but turning down that huge conference, I was like, Oh, man, should I just suck it up so that I don't burn a bridge. But I just knew that it was going to be way too overwhelming. So it's really about and I think when you come from a genuine place, and you're honestly explaining to someone why you can't take an opportunity, um, if that person is worth a relationship within the in the future, then they will completely understand. Um, and if they don't understand, then maybe they weren't a really awesome person to be working with to begin with. But yeah, it's definitely really hard. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Marie Forleo, but she does B school and she does like yeah, she's a coach and does weekly like video amazing videos and stuff. But she actually in one of her newsletters sent out a PDF of like form responses of how to say no like just you can copy and paste these things in depending on the situation and I thought that was pretty genius did you get it on her website or was it an email or it was in an email newsletter so I would imagine maybe googling you might be able to find Uh, it um if I find it if I find it can send it to you and you can post it with this um but yeah no it it was great like it covered all the situations from like if somebody's asking to pick your brain, if someone has like a business opportunity, um, if someone, yeah, just a few different scenarios and uh, and cut and paste responses of how to politely say no to these people. Yeah, but I think uh, that's something that we all know because I think more a lot of us want to say no, we just don't know how. Exactly. Um, I'm curious to know. I'm curious to take you back to your ebook. Tell me mm-hmm. about your ebook because this may be airing at the time that your ebook's coming out. Possibly, if I can get my act together and finish writing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm doing an ebook for engaged couples, and the idea behind it is that it's going to help them kind of tackle the more emotional side of wedding planning. 
So that's, um, I, I don't want to go into too much detail yet, yeah. but um, it's something that I feel like is, is missing. There's a ton of how-to guides out there about how to actually plan a wedding, but I think couples don't really, they sometimes don't realize what they're jumping into from an emotional side and like a friends and family perspective. So this will hopefully prepare them for that. That's great. Good for you. And you're, yeah. you're thinking that's going to come out in spring? Yes, hopefully end of April or early May. That is my goal. Um, but that wasn't so yeah, so that's another thing that I've been doing to level to level up. Um, in the past, like I've been a music journalist and have always just liked writing and been a writer. So I've always had this idea that I wanted to write a book. And, you know, again, similar to starting a business, like there's always different ideas popping around. But um, just in, in, in working with couples and hearing what their pain points are and some of their struggles and stuff, I was just really inspired to write something that could help them. That's a great idea. And I, and I have to agree that there's not a lot of um, handle, how to handle your emotions and the right. emotions of everybody else during the planning. Exactly. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot, I yep. think, that people go through. Um, so I know in our pre-interview chat, we talked about a story that you have <laughs> and the story is telling us, just teaching us a little bit about the wisdom and trying, failing, moving on and how it applies to leveling up in your business. Um, yeah, I'm ready for that story. All right. I'm ready to tell it. <laughs> So, um, yeah, people have to remember that not everything that you try to level up in your business is going to work out. And one of my recent experiences, part of what honestly inspired this talk to begin with was, um, you know, a recent try and, you know, not succeed moment. I don't like to call it failure because I don't think that's a great way to characterize it. Um, but anyway, so last April, I um, well, I guess I should back up and just say there's a clothing company that's based out of Boston, and they are called Johnny Cupcakes. They've been around for about 17, 18 years. I've been a fan of them from close to the beginning of since the company started. And last April, I got I saw a note in their newsletter that they were hiring what they call cake dealers, which are pop up shop hosts around the country to host pop-up shops in their area where they sell the Johnny Cupcakes merchandise and then you get paid a commission on that. So um, I, I saw it and I was like, holy cow, that would be so cool. It fits perfectly with my skill set and like what I do already. I host events. I have relationships with yeah. venues like this. This would be perfect. Um, and so I applied and um, they we did an interview and they brought me on board and I was so excited because I wasn't totally sure if I was going to get it or not. Um, but um, they brought me on board and I did a test pop up in Brooklyn at a bakery in Brooklyn that went really well. And then, you know, scheduled pop up shops for the next few months. And Within like, let's see, probably three or four months, it kind of became evident to me that this was not the best use of my time for a lot of reasons. One, um, it was really time consuming to do all of the stuff in terms of on the like promotion end of these events. 
in terms of like sending out newsletters to mailing lists, doing Instagram and social media posts, Instagram stories. Um, there was just a lot involved. And then financially, it ended up not being as um, reward. It wasn't as financially like rewarding as I kind of needed it to be for the amount of time that I was putting in. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, and I think this was the big thing that made me pull the plug on this was it was starting to confuse people. Um, first of all, Johnny cupcakes, just in general, they don't sell cupcakes, they sell t shirts. And that's kind of like the shtick of the brand is like they thrive on this. They love this kind of confusion that they create. But as a small business owner, um, people like my friends and stuff thought I was selling cupcakes and people would come to the pop-ups and be upset that there weren't actually cupcakes. And like, no matter how I thought I was doing a good job of explaining like on social media what I was doing, but people were just confused. And I think it confused my brand and what I was doing and could have potentially like confused prospective couples that maybe were finding me on Instagram. And so I decided that I no longer wanted to do it. I was really conflicted because I felt like a quitter. I felt like I failed. I felt like I was letting people down. Um, and when I had the call with the the pop-up shop cord- like coordinator for the company, like I was just crying. I was so upset because I felt like I just, I, I don't love failure in my life and I do and I like try to I push myself to succeed at most things. So like having tried this and it not having worked out was really a bummer for me. Um obviously time has passed and I've gotten some clarity and I realized that I didn't quit, I didn't fail, I tried something. Um oh and another reason why I tried it was because I figure it's this national brand with like a national platform, me being associated with that as a way to bring some more visibility to ColourPop and mm-hmm. to like set me up a little bit for like future endeavors that require kind of like, like this book, for example, that require a little bit more brand recognition. So yeah. like I really did, I really thought about this whole thing from a business perspective. Like I had what I thought, what I wanted to make financially, which would have made it completely worth it. And I thought about it from a brand perspective. And I thought about it from a skills perspective. And there was so much synergy there that I thought it made sense. But then in practice, it just ultimately didn't. Um, So one of the messages I want to give to everybody listening is that if you're trying something, you know, regardless of whether it's leveling up, I mean, I think you can apply this to life also. But if you're trying something, and it's just really not working out, you've got to just cut the cord and let it go and be do it quickly instead of just dragging things on. And yep, it's going to suck when you first do it and you'll have some emotions and stuff surrounding it. But in the long run, just releasing kind of that burden and mental energy from your plate is going to free you up to do a lot of other things. It's one of those things that you, <laughs> it's like you cut, cut it off, you get the anxiety for a second, and then it's, it's, you're free. Yeah. You feel good. Yeah. Once the time passes, you feel good about the decision that you've made. Yeah, It's, I mean, I have countless, um, things that have happened in life, both business and personal, when you decide what your goal is mm-hmm. and you stick to that. And then you say no to the things that do not match your goals. 
Uh Um, To the point that actually above my computer right now, I have a bunch of quotes in one piece of paper. And one of them is, is this setting you up for your future? Because it's so important to be focused. Not that those things can't change. Not that you can't change your mind, but you do have to have certain goals so you can make the decisions along the way because to reach those goals, it's little step by little step. Yep. And one yeah, it's the it's clarity. Yeah, it's getting clarity on what you want to do and what's going to help you get there. Yeah. Did you also feel that when you were doing that, you were growing their brand and not yours? Um, I mean, sort of, it was definitely like most of the other people that were the cake that are cake dealers don't have like a separate company. So there's not that room for confusion. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was definitely, yeah, I was doing work to line somebody else's pockets and not line my own, which, you know, is similar to what the same way that I felt when I was an attorney. Um, I had yeah, I just kind of had a different vision of how it would be like I was sort of treating them like a client who I would produce an event for. And it just happened that the way that I was getting paid was based on commission based on what I sold. Yeah. Um, ra- rather than like a flat fee. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I kind of I thought I thought that it made sense and it wasn't too much of promoting their company because like if I do, you know, I've done an event for the not before and stuff and I don't feel like that's promoting somebody. So I viewing it as like they were a client, I feel like less so promoting somebody else over myself, but still the promotion of this other company just led to a lot of, a lot of confusion. Like it honestly came down to one single conversation with a a photographer friend of mine who is super smart and we were driving home from a meeting one night and she's like I've got to be honest this is confusing and to have like somebody who is super smart and savvy and pays attention like if she was confused then goodness I can't imagine what everybody else was thinking um and I even so I gave this leveling up talk at a industry event in this past fall and one of the my friends came up to me afterwards she's like I am so sorry I thought you were selling cupcakes the whole time so like it was just this thing that became so confusing and um but yeah the day after that that conversation with my friend where she said it was confusing I that's the day that I quit um, I still had some events that had already been booked after that, but um, yeah, I officially, I like gave notice that I was done in August, but had events booked through till the end of the year. So I honored and still did those. And after the last one was done and I sent all the merch back and stuff, like the relief that I felt and just like a weight lifted and um, business honestly started booming after I took that off my plate because I know that like, I just wasn't mentally capable of doing a ton of other stuff while working on that. And so the second that I took it off my plate, um, everything kind of came together in other areas. Good for you. Good for you. Hey, so tell me, is there something that we should be focusing on? And we, as I mean, our listeners, um, and how to identify our buckets? Yeah. Um, I want to start by saying that leveling up doesn't have to mean 
doing something completely new. So I remember talking to another planner and she made a comment about how everybody's always asking what's next, what's next, what's next, what are you working on, what new projects do you have? And I want to just make it clear for the listeners that you don't have to be constantly thinking of new ideas to like revolutionize or transform your business or new industries to get into. Like leveling up for you could just mean getting more couples, like figuring out what your maximum limit is or hitting certain financial goals. It doesn't have to be taking on all this new stuff because um, that's just not for everybody. That's not how everybody operates. Yeah. Um, but I think to figure this out, you really do kind of have to sit down. You've got to really know your business. You've got to think about, really, it's about thinking about where you want to go, where you want to go, what you need currently, and then figuring out what things are going to make that happen. So for me, it is like I want ColourPop to be a bigger brand to potentially have products, for me to do books, for me to continue speaking. And so for that, it's about positioning myself as the expert and making sure I have like national visibility. So it's thinking about what's going to help me do that. So obviously speaking and, you know, at conferences across the country, being on podcasts that are listened to by people across the country, that's helpful. Doing this book that's going to hopefully introduce me to couples across the country is another way to do that. So, and then on when you're thinking about what you need right now, obviously you know, people have certain financial needs that they need to meet. So, you know, I need to continue while doing all this stuff to kind of promote ColourPop. I still need to be making money and booking couples for weddings and stuff like that. So I need to make sure that one of my buckets also addresses, you know, fulfilling what needs to happen now. That's great. Do you think that sometimes, um, identifying the buckets is just also how you want your lifestyle to be? Definitely. When I talk to people about how, um, how I started this company or how and giving people advice on how they can start their business, one of the first things that I always tell them is you kind of have to figure out what you want your lifestyle to look like, and then build a business that's going to give you that. So like, are you okay for a couple of years, like, bootstrapping and living off of ramen and just not, you know, doing anything extravagant for two years? Or, you know, do you want to maintain the lifestyle that you had when you had a full time job, like whatever your prior career was, you've got to so you have to figure out what, um, what that lifestyle looks like, and build the business to support you with that lifestyle. I agree. I do agree with you on that. It's you have to almost kind of work backwards. Exactly. Yeah, not, because you you yeah, you want to know where you're going to end up and figure out what to do to get to the end point. And not just monetarily wise, but it is a lifestyle like okay, how much time do you want to be at home? Do you want to be home on the weekends? Do you want to be home at night? You know, like it it's there's so much that gets involved that I think you know what? I think a lot of us don't even think about that until we're we've already started. Right. Yeah, people there's it's tough to know what questions to ask going in. Like for me, I don't think I consciously realized that I was giving up weekends, but <laughs> at the same time, 
my husband's in tech and his schedule has often been as like crazy as mine was when I was an attorney and, and owning my own business. So like, there's plenty of weekend days where he just sits in the in the office and he has to work all day. So like, it ended up not being a big deal. And I think maybe I kind of realize that. But yeah, for sure. Like I didn't realize that I ever and people ask that all the time. They're like, Oh, how do you feel about giving up your weekends? I'm like, I own my own business. There's really not a real weekend. And my weekend can be any day that I want. Like if I want to take a Wednesday off, I am flexible enough, I can take a Wednesday off instead of taking a Saturday off. Yeah, yeah. it it, it, it does it, come it with does. its perks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where can people find you, Leah? Uh, my website is colorpopevents.com and then on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter, although I don't use Twitter all that much, um, I, I'm at colorpopevents. So really easy for people to find me. Perfect. And is there, a, where are you speaking next? Next up is at Alt Summit in Palm Springs at the end of March. And then after that, I'm speaking at a conference in Brooklyn in early April. And then end of April, I'm heading to Orlando to speak at the NACE chapter there. So I'm kind of all over. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. <laughs> Good for you. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for taking the time today. I hope that you stay warm. Yes, you too. Yeah, you too. I'm going to try. Uh, and then hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you again for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. All right. Bye-bye.